What's up, friends? Welcome back to the Dark Waters. I'm your host, Josh. It's Monday. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, no complaints here. Just some hunting. No fishing. The weather's nice, though. Like it's supposed. To, it's, it doesn't feel like it's November. It's. It feels like it's springtime right now. So it's a. It's a cruel joke that Mother Nature likes to play on us up here. But uh, any day now, it's just gonna be frozen, and that's that'll be the end of end of it. So um, definitely, definitely looking forward, you know, to winter coming here, doing her damage, and then leaving us alone. So we can get to uh, the 2021 season, which I'm, I'm I'm really excited about. So that's it for me. Uh, I know a lot of people are getting ready for the TOC and uh, Chick, well, the Bass event or Bass Nation, whatever event on Chick. Uh, good luck, safe travels. Let me know what's going on. Keep me informed. Tag me some shit. Um, uh, as far as the podcast goes, guys, I'm gonna keep it rolling. I know I was gonna kind of maybe take a break until next season, but I'm not. There's a lot of people that want to come on the show that I'm looking forward to talking to. Uh, that I've been wanting to talk to, and finally we got a chance. Everything's kind of calmed down. The season's, you know, you know, it's, it's over. So it gives, it gives an opportunity to talk to people and talk about specific things that I might not ever talk about in the regular season because we're so caught up in all the uh, the tournaments and things. So going to keep it rolling. Just not going to be as busy as I have been throughout the season just because there's no reason. But, uh, yeah, so we'll keep it rolling. Uh, I'm going to keep this intro short, guys. I got nothing going on, so there's nothing to talk about for me. So uh, we'll jump right into this. Uh, love him or hate him, it doesn't matter. Chad Hoover is a, a big part of kayak bass fishing. He runs KBF. He's he's given people a platform to not just make money but to you know chase dreams or goals or whatever. So, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I like the guy. I like what he's doing. Um, do I have my opinion about certain things? Yeah, I do, but they're that's, who cares? Like who cares? Uh, but, uh, it was a fun conversation. Chad's a very, uh, how would I say it? Uh, he's just a very passionate guy. <laughs> he's got a lot of energy and, uh, it was crazy. I got caught up and I just, I'm not apologizing, but I did allow myself to, uh, you know, get all uh, hyped up and you know, I feel like I was talking some shit, you know, like and I, and I shouldn't have. So, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of controversy around, you know, w- what's going on in the community and things like that. But the truth is, I don't give a shit. So if I said something that you're like, that probably piss you off or whatever. For one, you shouldn't get pissed off about anything I say. Like, I, like who, who am I? I'm just a, uh, a mediocre angler who runs a sh- shitty podcast. So don't take it seriously. Um, it's not about me anyways. Chad got a lot of shit off his chest. Chad got to talk about some things he wanted to talk about. I got to ask questions that he was upfront and, and, and brutally honest about. So it was a good, to me, it was a good episode. So I hope everyone enjoys it. Um, make sure you um, subscribe, give me some, you know, whatever, likes, whatever, all that stupid shit. I, don't, I really don't care. Don't, don't worry about any of that. Anyways, Chad Hoover, KBF. Uh, hope everyone enjoys the episode. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Ciao. All right, Mr. Hoover, thanks for coming on the show today. How are you doing? Good, man. How about yourself? Good, man. Uh, a lot of things I want to talk to you about. There's a lot of uh, conversations on the uh, the Book of Faces and, uh, you know, some some uh, some topics that we got. But uh, first of all, I wanted to say uh, congrats on, uh, you know, what I would call a successful season. Uh, I know it was, a, uh, it was a rough one. It was a different one, one that no one could have predicted, uh, you know, back in February. But, uh, you know, you guys – you and your team did what you could, and, and in my opinion, I think it turned out pretty good. Uh, seems like a lot of the anglers were happy. Uh, some people weren't happy, but you can't always make everyone happy all the time. So it was. Uh, it, no, I think I think I think the year ended pretty damn good for all of us. I think so too. You know, and I think the people that find it within their core to complain about things in the situation that we had are just toxic people, and uh, you are never going to make them happy. Yeah, you're never gonna make them happy in the first kind of place. You could give a job, count money on halves, and they would complain about paper cuts. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't argue against that. Uh, but uh, you know, how'd you uh, how'd you feel? I mean, like I said, it, it, it wasn't like your normal season. Like you know, you guys kind of had like a blueprint of how you guys did things. Um, and I, granted, there's always gonna be like some um, some fixing and critiquing as you guys went along. But uh, you know, because of this COVID thing, it changed everything about how you guys like you guys had to. Uh, you know, really, like, you kind of stop what you're doing, figure out, you know, how you guys want to continue the season. Um, 
how did you think it all went out? Like, what were some of the things that you're really proud about? Some of the things that, uh, looking back, that in hindsight, which you know, it doesn't really really matter, but just because of the podcast and we got to talk about something anyways. Well, I, I think the the biggest walk, you know, takeaway for me was that when COVID happened, uh, a lot of people were questioning whether or not they were gonna do it. We never did. We said right. we're doing it. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, we even kind of lit a fire under other people's butts to say, well, we're doing it too. We're not going to let them do it. And we not do it. And, you know, that's kind of been what we've done from the beginning. You know, I think we've been a little bit of the catalyst uh, or a lot of the catalyst behind, you know, even the events that we don't do. And we've given either the formula, the protocol, the format or the justification and in this year, I would say much more of the justification to do what we did and to not stop. Um, I, uh, I don't think I ever one time uttered the phrase uh, can't this year. We just changed how and we regaged expectations and we started making decisions way before most people did. When I called some of my tournament locations and said, hey, we have to take a hard look at sliding the tournament dates, they were like, what do you mean? It's, it's not that bad. I'm like, yeah, it's that bad. You know, so, uh, you know, for example, we reached out to the the, the tourism uh, director and the component sponsorship part of the national championship host city. And she was like, we don't even have a case in Alabama yet. Are we seriously talking about postponing this event? And I said, yeah, because the next three weeks are going to be the craziest three weeks in the history of the world. And our crystal ball was dead on, you know. Um, and luckily, I spent a lot of time in this space uh, in my career in the military, seeing things like this happen in other countries and not on this scale. Obviously, nobody has seen right. this, but but to just see how even if it wasn't as bad as we thought it was. How people would think it is. So yeah. either way, it was going to limit our ability to travel and do what we did. So we made an audible and, you know, I don't know if people truly understand how much work goes into putting a schedule together, but I promise you they don't understand how much work goes into changing a schedule that's already been put, put together on the fly, keeping sponsors, tourism bureaus, and other interested parties happy and anglers during this craziness. So I'm proud of the fact that we're even having a discussion about success versus a discussion about failure that in a that in and of itself is a, is a success um i think we internalized a lot of things this year to say man if we can do this during a pandemic why don't we do it this way all the time and so to me you know and i hate to even say this because i'm going to get beat up by some people over it but there were some things that came out of this that are actually good long term you know uh, there was some some relationships that either improved or got better or got way better because of this. You know, um, uh, Christy, my wife, Christy, handles the the tourism part of the deal. And she had some really great conversations with CVBs and tourism bureaus and things like that to the point she actually got kind of tapped to be a, a guest speaker for one of the largest conferences in the world because they were wanting to know how we were going to continue to do it. We had our COVID uh, protocol written in 11 days, which I don't know if people think about that kind of stuff, but that's a big deal <laughs> to write yeah. a, to write a full blown, you know, protocol, submit it, get it approved. And it passed the scrutiny of local, federal, state and federal regulatory commissions Right. Was was, in my opinion, you know, very uh, I was impressed with our team to pull that off. Right. Um, and, you know, one of the states out there that's probably the the toughest because it's, you know, basically D.C. It's one of the most litigious states in the country. Uh, but Virginia, uh, we passed the muster in Virginia. Right. <laughs> and when we did the event in Virginia, we were the the first live event back in the state of Virginia. They wrote a big press release about it. And it was pretty exciting to see that kind of love for a kayak series go out at the state level that then got national uh, attention. So, you know, the fact that we have demand built up for 2021 and 2022 and 2023, 
because of the success, however you measure it, for what was accomplished in um, in uh, the 2020 season is something that we as a community should all be proud of. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. I had a lot of comparisons to other series. And then, you know, sometimes the, the question would be like, well, you know, Hobie had this many people and your event had this many people. Well, when you looked at the fact that we had two events that weekend and you added the total together, it was usually a lot bigger number than most people thought it was. And then when you considered in some months, we had an event three weekends in the month. And if you added up the total participation, um, that it was impressive. So when you look at the fact that people's travel was a little bit more localized, they could only go one or two states over, there was all these restrictions, you know, and we still finished the season with the uh, average attendance that we did. And we finished it not out of business when we doubled down. Think about this. Think about this for a second. We doubled our cost of judging of doing the events, of trophies, of checks, pretty much of everything in a time when our revenue dried up, you know? Um, The way I looked at it was we could set on our coffers and wait till next year and see what happens, and then none of us would be around, or we would lose a lot of momentum. Totally would have been understandable by most of the world if we said, sorry, we're we're not doing it, right? But to me, that's not what we needed. We all needed like a something to look forward to. We needed yeah. hope. We needed something that actually, you know, we all considered normal. Um, and that was my commitment is to say, we're going to do this. I don't care if we go broke doing it. I would rather go broke doing it than do nothing and sit on my hands. You know, um, I've been a gambler my whole life. So, yeah change now you yeah. know? Um, you know one, one of the things i found interesting as this was going is that like because that, that was my whole thing i was like right now like anything's better than nothing like, like if you guys want to keep this if, this if this wants to survive it has to keep going in some form or another like you can't it's like you said if you if you stop and everything dries up there is no uh kbf in 2021 or 2000 like, like you literally have to go all the way back to the drawing board and and because now that but the world's changed so dramatically like the, the fishing industry is insane right now. Like it's not like I was. I listen to like the Mike Iaconelli shows and things like that, and like where they are now with the sponsors and things like that. Like it's 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 a difficult industry. Or it's, it's a different industry. Like it changed the blueprint of it. Uh, but like one of the things I saw when you guys were going through all this is like, I mean, like I got my bitches and I got my complaints, but that's natural. But like some of the things I've seen is like coming like from these other platforms and some of the other people. It's like, well, what do you guys want? Do you guys just want it to stop? We can stop it, and then here you go. You guys can, you know, put in, put in your like. You can take a risk now. You can go. You can be that guy who puts yourself out there and puts your money into something that that might not have a return in it. But you can be the one who who gambles now. And of course, not a lot of people. No one's willing to do that. Everybody wants to do these things, but nobody wants to be the person that that carries it on their back. And that like, and that was like part of me that kind of like put a bad taste in my mouth for a lot of people and a lot of things. Just like. It's one thing to bitch and be and be uh, critiquing and things like that, but it's one thing just to be – what would be the word? Just we'll, – we'll use yours. We'll say toxic or something like that. You know, just something that's like, like – like you guys are are, are, kill, are killing whatever we can do here. You guys aren't helping the problem. You're, you're just bitching during a time when like that's all we have right now. You know, like things aren't getting any better right now. So if we can do what something – What I honestly had to finally do is I had to finally say, you know – in times like this is when people's true character is tested. And I had a few conversations with people and on sidebars where I said, dude, you're, you're out there creating all this hate and discontent. Why don't you just give me a call? Right. And so we would have a call and these people were the people that would listen to what you said. But as soon as you were done talking, all they were doing is like, yeah, but I, oh, oh, you, you don't understand where I'm coming from, but you want me to understand where you're coming from. And, you know, I'm going to piss some people off when I say what I'm about to say, but y'all know who I am, right? I'm not hiding. So most of the people in this industry, in this sport are very conservative, right? Most people in this industry um, are pretty right, pretty red, pretty, you know, pretty conservative. But to me, the one thing that you hear a lot of people complain about from liberals or from from people on that side is that they want you to believe 
and accept what they believe, but not the other way around. And so that's what's frustrating for me is that I see these people, same people that are posting, you know, you know, Trump train and um, vote this and vote that in their Facebook page are the very same people that are saying, well, this is how I want it. And I don't I don't need to understand where you're coming from. Well, that's not how conservatives are. Right. So for the most part, conservatives get it. Everybody locks arms and says, let's pull the plow together. And so for me, I just finally had to realize not only am I not ever going to make some of these people happy, but I shouldn't because the first thing that I should have been doing from the beginning is building a community. And I'll be the first person to say that I lost focus of the community and focused on the competition. And, you know, I'll just say it. If I'm going to be a leader in the community, I should also try to attract good people to the community. And I should also not want bad people in the community. Right. So I'll give you an example. I posted this thing about the a tournament that we're trying to do uh, for the guarantee. Uh, 50K payout with Fish and Chaos, for example. And these got the there was some guy, one guy that posted is it going to be a guarantee just like the national championship or is it going to be a real guarantee? And I was like, look, dude, when COVID hit, we, I was immediately back in April. I said, the guarantees got to go away. Yeah. You actually said that, my, you said, you said that on my podcast too. When we, I said when we it started. on your podcast. I said it on 12 other podcasts. I made a post about it. We updated every webpage and we said, if you want a refund, get a refund because we understood that we got you to commit to qualifying for this event based on this promise. Now that this promise has gone away and we can't make this promise, then we understand that we have to offer consideration for that. For months, we pr- promoted that. For the the jackass that makes this post and says, oh, uh, you don't get it. We did what we had to do to survive, but we changed the narrative and we changed the parameters. We gave people all the way till freaking uh, middle of September to get a refund. We basically come over the top. We did everything that we possibly could. And so for the guy that's like going to take that opportunity to try to take a shot Shot, at the company, you don't belong. You absolutely don't belong. You are literally the guy that will kick your family member in the tooth because you aren't happy. You you don't understand the the constraints that everybody was under, but you'll take that opportunity. And again, I'm going to call it what it is to be toxic and to try to shit on somebody while they're trying to do good for the community. And I hear this crap all the time. Oh, I'm not putting, I'm not entering that tournament, put money in Chad Hoover's pocket, blah, blah, blah. I've not made a nickel on KBF. Is there a goal to make money on it? Absolutely. I didn't bet my life savings to do this to never make a profit. And I also think it's funny where, you know, people don't, people have a, some of these people have a problem if I did make a profit from it with the amount of work that I put into it and have no problem I don't know, let's say buying an iPhone, right, from a company like Apple that does everything they can to take all your rights and they vote for the people that try to do everything they can to take your rights. And I'm hardcore, Mr. Conservative. I got a Trump sticker on my truck. I got all this and I got a problem with one of my own making a dollar. But blindly, I'll buy an iPhone or a Samsung TV or, you know, this Chinese product or that Chinese product or this whatever, but have a problem with the guy that's actually been busting his butt and bet his life savings to give you opportunity. I don't understand the mindset where somebody has a hard time understanding where that trade-off is, but yeah. blindly will throw their money and support behind some other thing that isn't. You, you know what I'm saying? It drives yeah. me crazy because I used to let it. Now I don't care. Right. But my problem, is, my, my, the point I'm trying to make is this. I don't even give those people time of day anymore. That guy posted the thing. I said, listen, man, we gave ample heads up. We did the best we could during the most ridiculously unprecedented time in our history and my lifetime and probably something that we'll never see again. And we still persevere. If that's not good enough for you, then I can't do any better. So KBF is probably not the location for you. So literally several other people chimed in and said, dude, this stop being divisive, whatever. And his response was, I'm not. I'm asking for the answer. Well, first of all, you should have already known the answer because I was very transparent with all of that. Secondly, I told him, I said, if you're going to attack other people in this page, this ain't the place for you. And I'll remove you from the group. And his response was, I'll show myself the door. And, you know, bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Well, that was one of the, I, I, 
the problem I have with a lot of these people is that um, like here's the thing, like for KBF to like survive or do as good as they do, like people have to buy into it. You know, people who buy their membership, people who make the commitment to go to all the tournaments that they go to, whether they're doing it online or in person, whatever. Like they're buying into the uh, the company, and so these people who I mean, and it's, it's completely okay if you don't want to buy it. If they, they think that your uh, product's a piece of shit, that's that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. They can do that. There's other things for them. But I, my problem is, is, like, why do you care after you decide that you're not going to buy into this, that you don't want no part of this? Why do you continue – like, why do you care what Chad Hoover does? Why do you care that all these people are, are going to tournaments and having fun with it? And it, what, what do you care what the buyout is? What do you care what the payout is? What do you care like, – why do you care? Like, why, why do you – Spending yeah. this time talking shit when like you don't even want to buy into it, like like it's not even your world anymore. Like go well, go. The, the part that trips me out in that same regard is, who are who anointed you the gatekeeper? Yeah. Like what have you done to earn the right to be the one that's the gatekeeper? Like yeah. show me where you've created. Like you own a Facebook page that makes you the gatekeeper. You decided, oh, I'm only doing this because I'm trying to make sure that I protect the sanctity of the sport. And, and who anointed you that person? Yeah. You? You anointed yourself? Literally, dude, there are people in this industry that the only thing they're known for is bashing me. Yeah. I'm kind of proud of the fact, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm kind of proud of the fact that you can be well-known, and the only thing you're well-known for is calling me out. But I, I, I don't know what it gets them, because, I mean, like, the only person that I would— the only people I would anything. like ever listen to is that you have these these people who are who have made a name for themselves in the sport by being great anglers. They can go fish at any tournament in the country, place well, make it to any one of the uh, whether it be the national championship, the tournament of champions, or whatever, and they never talk shit because they're doing good. And they don't. They, sometimes I think some of these guys they just don't. I'm not saying they suck at fishing, but I'm saying like they haven't done anything to really make anything in the sport or headway in the sport that. Being a shit talker or being somewhat like you know toxic, whatever you however you want to say it, that is like their niche in this game is just to be what to be a hater to be because uh, like I said the be- the best anglers in the country compete in KBF as well as others and they're not the ones who are the ones that are they're typing that bullshit um you know but, not, hey, not, here's what I had to finally here's what I had to finally figure out Josh I had to finally figure out that I was the one that gave those people a voice. I yeah. was the one that gave them a platform. I was the one that responded to them. And back early on, I always felt like I had to somehow or another win them over. And then I realized they're not able to be won over. Their whole thing is find something to complain about. Find something to create hate and discontent. Find something to create uh, uh, banter that makes them feel like there's somebody there are guys in this industry that get a kick out of walking into a Facebook page or a group or rolling a grenade into the room and then backing up and watching the bodies. <laughs> and we, as the community fall for it. If nobody responded to them, they would dry up. Yeah. But I finally had to realize that like for my own mental clarity, for me to not waste time on it, I just needed to remove the distraction. Yeah. So straight up, I just blocked some of these people. And it's almost like if there was a pile of crap and a bunch of flies flying around it, I just walked up to the pile of crap with fly killer and sprayed it and they all disappeared. And then you don't smell the crap anymore. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because, you know, and so for me, over the last two, two and a half years, that's been my focus is to focus on what can I do to make KBF better, to make a better platform for the community, to grow the the sport and lean into it and if that's what i'm really focused on i've got to focus on that i tell people all the time back when i used to rodeo which is about 100 pounds ago in 20 years or yeah 20 years almost exactly um there's a there's a saying in rodeo called you land where you look right so when a bull bucks out of the chute and it turns and you keep your head in the center you stay with the bull jump for jump if it goes hard left and you happen to look at the ground to your right, that's where your head goes and you end up landing where you look. So if you look away at these distractions, if you focus on it and put time, effort and energy into it, you land where you look. And so I just decided that I'm going to focus on jump for jump, leaning into it, growing the sport, growing the community, making my business profitable. And that way I'm not so stressed out and easy to trigger 
you know, because I get triggered when yeah. somebody's bashing you for making all this money and you're saying, bitch, are you, what are you talking about? I'm losing money on this thing. Anybody that's ever won a nickel, anybody that's ever won a nickel fishing in a KBF tournament has made more off a of KBF than me. Yeah. You know, and what I'm proud of is the fact that we employ people. I'm in fact, I'm proud of the fact that we employ people through a pandemic. I got 10 weeks of PPP and that was over in April, May. Yeah. April, late April, early May. And we've employed everybody through the rest. Now, will I be able to do that next year? I don't know, to be honest with you. I've got some tough decisions to make right now about how I keep this thing moving because a lot of sponsors are safetying up for next year because they don't know what to, and I get it, right? Yeah. They're, they're like, Chad, we're only going to be able to do half of what we did before. Well, I can't get half of what I got on a growth strategy, but keep doing everything that I've been doing. That's kind of, you know, right. Einstein, Einstein's definition of insanity. Um, and we've had some great relationships kind of come to the surface and bubble up with, um, with uh, you know, technology opportunities with fishing chaos and, and some of the things that we're going to be doing that's going to alleviate some of our workload and cost and stress and some of those things. Um, but but it would be silly for me to abandon Tourney X because Tourney X has gotten us, you know, to where we're at. It would be stupid for me to just move everything. And and I do truly believe in continuing to invest in both sides. Rising tide raises all ships. The more successful we all are, the more successful we all are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I want to keep creating opportunities, but those opportunities also have to be divided up. They can't just be tournaments. There needs to be opportunities for the community. Over two thirds of our community aren't competitors. They're just people that really believe in what we're doing. You know, I spend a lot of time at this desk on that computer working on things that a lobbyist would do, fighting for our rights to access, fighting for our rights to not have arbitrary restrictions placed on us as kayak fishermen, uh, trying to overturn those decisions in places where they're made and at least provide assistance so that the state next door doesn't adopt it. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. The Grand River Dam Authority in Oklahoma has an arbitrary rule that says you can't go over 150 feet from the shoreline. You can't cross channels. You can't launch within 30 minutes of sunrise and, you know, or until 30 minutes after sunrise. Can't fish after 30 minutes before sunset. All those kind of crazy things. A lot of people don't realize stuff like this, but like several states considered that because they see what Oklahoma did. They're going to. And, and then basically I'm the guy that says. You implement that rule and I'll never bring a KBF tournament to your state. You implement that rule and I will go out of my way to make sure that others don't. And until you do, we won't come and bring that economic impact to your state. So I know I've blocked it in at least three states. And I know a couple of those states have talked to other states. So the domino effect is there. The ability for me to do that is that we have the funding through memberships and through sponsorships for me to be able to do that. Uh, I'm fighting with the ACA right now, the American Canoe Association, that you are supposed to be the the steward organization for all things paddle sport safety, but you don't do kayak fishing as a separate category. You have whitewater kayaking broke out, and whitewater kayak. There's more anglers in one state than whitewater paddlers in the whole country, right. and so it's those things like that that allow me to jump on a plane and fly to a meeting, or jump in my truck and drive to a meeting to fight for our rights that are the reasons that I need to be focused on that kind of stuff and and need to grow the organization to the point where it's profitable enough that I can afford to do those things. Yeah. And fighting for access, fighting for lack of restrictions. I have probably a half a dozen states that have reached out to me to say, would you support registering kayaks being a requirement? And you know what? This is not going to be a popular position. I do support it under you tell me what you're going to do with that money. If you say you want to cause, you want to charge us to register our kayaks, but we don't get anything out of it, then no, I don't stand behind it and I'll do everything I can to fight it. But there's a number of states that are saying, hmm, kayak fishing is getting popular. If we just charge them $50 a year to register their kayaks, whether they're motorized or not, and if you're listening to this, make no mistake, there are states out there right now licking their chops, wanting to come after our money wanting to come after forcing us to register. And they're hearing it from boat anglers. They're hearing it from, you know, politicians and lobbyists saying, we want to make these kayak fishermen register their kayaks. Okay, cool. What are you going to do with the money? Are you going to dedicate it to kayak and canoe 
and paddlecraft specific access? Are you going to put it back into education programs for our particular sport? If not, we already pay that money through our, our license purchases, just like all the boat anglers do. None of the fuel surcharge goes to that. So that whole fuel argument's BS. 100% of the money we pay for our fishing license goes to the general fund for establishing things like boat ramps and educational programs and all that, just like every other angler out there. So we don't need a special requirement for us to pay. But I'm 100% behind it if they'll tell me what they're going to do with it. And I'll, yeah. that doesn't mean I can stop them if they decide to do it. But we have to have a united voice and a representative body that will go to the bat to fight against those kind of things, either to keep them from happening or once they happen, to fight for our rights. And that's what I'm focused on. That's what's been my that's what's been really cool about me having the time to kind of stay home more and back away from the churn a little bit is to say, this is really what I should be doing. You know, I'm uniquely positioned with the right amount of influence, the right amount of tenacity, the right amount of past experience as an officer in the Navy and working on programs and things like that and, and, a, and a tenure in the industry to be able to say, I can do this. And to me, that's the focus for 2021 and beyond. Um, I put youth programs on the back burner because I was like, if we can't do it right, I don't want to halfway do it. Well, we're doing college next year. We're going to do college for however long it takes to get that dialed in. And then we're going to go to high school. Once we get high school dialed in, we're going to go to Little League. And so I don't care if Hobie becomes the biggest tournament series in the world or if Bass does. Um, I don't want to get into that crap that Major League Fishing and Bassmaster are in right now where they're actually fighting against each other to tear the sport down. I would much rather back up and concede the whole pro sport, pro kayak fishing side to Hobie or Bass or Hobie and Bass and focus on growing the feeder, the challenge series, the smaller trails, the partner organizations to where you learn how to kayak fish and catch photo release and do all those things to, to create the funnel that leads to those series. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that's that's how it sounds really. Uh, you like you really have changed like your, uh, you know, where you looked, where you actually want to take the business or take the sport. Um, let me ask you this: get away from uh, some of the other stuff we were talking about. Um, it seems like you know you had to take a step back. You've downsized uh, some of the, the tournaments this year. Uh, but there's still like a lot of unknowns of what you really want to do. And I can't remember what podcast it was on or what. It, what it was but it's like you kind of want to get to a place where um there's uh maybe consistency in the way you guys do things because you've had to change so much stuff over the years to where you know cause, like each season doesn't really look the same right now um it's, it's just, just different rules different changes different uh whatever it is for angler of the year or or qualifying for a national championship is there anything that you guys are really hammering on now like what you guys really want to like what what the model of what you know what you guys want to do is going to look like in the future yeah, to dial that in, to be honest with you, to make it simpler, to make it more consistent. The NFL has been around a century. And yeah. guess how many rules they changed last year? Like 130. The NBA yeah. changes rules every year. Major League Baseball changes rules every year. The Olympics changes rules every single year. So to a certain extent, there's going to be things that need to evolve to create fair, competitive things and the sport has changed every year so we've had to change with it but i definitely want to get to a consistent model and say this is the way it is the beautiful thing about it is the people that get it get it and understand where we're going um but the one thing that i do that is what i consider good and at the same time it frustrates the absolute hell out of people is i ask for feedback yeah. but here's what i'll ask you as a fan of the sport a participant of the sport a pro in the sport a leader in the sport Go look at any of those topics that I post and see how many different answers there are out there. And you'll get a glimpse into what my world is like when it comes to trying yeah, to manage this stuff. I was going to ask you about that because it's, it's insane. So that's like, um, pulling the veil back on how hard it is to balance yeah. this stuff is look at all the different. And, and the part of the problem is people dig their heels in on what their idea is and they too much assign their value and position in the sport. I'll right. give you an example. Some of your kind of mid to upper level influencers in the sport will go out and make a declaration. I think we should do this, right? And then they tag me in it or tag Bass or tag Hobie or whatever, but they dug their heels in now and then. This is what I believe. But then when you're organizationally 
point out the, the reasons you can't do it that way. The problem is they've actually gone out and put stock in their position. They've right. gone out and put uh, a stake in the moon and they put a little bit of their reputation on the line by going out and saying it. I've learned this now that some of these people who've gone out there who are some of the biggest naysayers feel like that they their, their opinion doesn't matter. Well, here's what I would say to people like that. Stop putting your opinion out there without all the facts. Stop right. putting your opinion out there and digging your heels in and sticking your stake in the moon when you don't know all the facts. Yeah. Learn all the variables. I'm pretty easy to get in touch with. I, can, I pride myself on being really accessible at the level of success that I've had in any industry. There's very few people that you can pick up in the phone and call that have had the success that I've had that still have their cell phone number listed on their website. You could go to my Facebook page and click call and it comes to my cell phone number. Who the hell do you know that's been on TV for 10 years that you can pick up the phone and call? Right. Yeah. Name somebody, Josh. Can you think of anybody? No. Nah. Can you just go to Bill Dance's website? And I'm not comparing myself to Bill Dance, but can you go to any of those guys' website and just call them? Can you send them an email? Can you? No, I can. I pride myself on my level of accessibility. It drives Christy crazy. She's like, you should not be this accessible <laughs> at this level. You should have tears. And I'm like, yeah, I hear you. But at the same time, it's what keeps my finger on the pulse. Putting those questions out there in the members only page or on the on the on the public groups and things like that to see what the feedback is to understand what the the mindset is of the group think helps me better understand a how to evolve it to where it satisfies more of the desires of the community simultaneously kind of understand some vantage points that maybe i don't understand and at the same time it lets me know what misconceptions are out there that when i start to communicate the decisions we make, I can better articulate why we made the decisions we made and, and, and the variables that went into it so that it met, it makes some of those people rest a little easier knowing, oh, okay, I get that. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess like my issue with it, it's not really an issue. Like I'm the kind of guy, I do what you want. Uh, you know, I don't have that much skin in the game. Uh, like I either, I got a choice. I can either buy into this or I don't buy into it. Um, but like when I saw, when I see like the, when you, when you put it out there and you ask these questions, I'm like, Jesus, that's, that's a thousand of opinions coming at you. And, and maybe I'm just coming from like a platoon sergeant, you know, maybe like when I was a, a you know, light infantry platoon sergeant. Maybe it's the wrong attitude. I don't know. I don't run a business, but it's like a lot of times I, I didn't care um, what everyone thought. I mean, I did to a certain point because, you know, obviously I wanted to keep morale up and things like that. But at the same time, it's like all this shit falls on me, like the, the success, the failure of this, uh, it all falls on me. Uh, and then. I have to worry about, you know, all the risk assessments. And, you know, when you're looking at you, it's like, you know, I saw some of the things that some of the uh, the more experienced guys were saying. It's like, well, that asshole forgot about all the, the, the people who aren't that good yet, who need to get that good, who we need in the – who we need to uh, invest in this because that's where the money comes from. The money comes from, like, guys like me who can't fish. And you take – they take my money. But, I mean, I, I'm buying into it because I believe in this thing. And so you, ha you have to consider that. you got to consider all these pros. you got to consider all these – uh, mid-level guys, all these beginners coming in, and then you got to make things simple enough for everyone. It's like all these things. It's like it's, when I look at them, like that's just way too many opinions. Uh, and and uh, great, I, you don't want to be an iron fist either, because then you 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 start losing people to, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, it's got to be a tough balance because to, to be success, I mean, success is weird. It is a tough battle. But here's what I'll tell you, Josh. Um, I did it the way you just said for the first five or six years of KBS, I was like, it's my way of the highway because it's my money and it's on the line. So the way right. I looked at it was, you know, if I'm the one taking the risk, then I'm the one that makes the decision. Then I started asking and giving too much of a care about what people thought and trying to not only put out there what the question is, but also win them over to my way of thinking. And then I realized that somewhere in the middle is the best balance. So now what I do is I post a question, I let the discussion happen, I steer it just a tiny bit after the core guts are out there, then I back away from it and leave it alone so it doesn't affect my mentality, so I don't get worked up, so that I don't get the conversation worked up, I remind people to be civil, and then I come back and I read every single comment. As I'm reading the comments, I'm not just hearing what they're saying, 
but I'm trying to hear what they're not saying. And if I can learn to hear what people are saying and what they're not saying together, um, and, and this is the part that I had to understand is that I used to say I'm not blocking anybody because I want to hear what everybody thinks. And then I realized there's some people that are just not good at communicating. Yeah. They have no real interest in bettering the sport. They just want to get their name out there as the antagonist, as the, as the, the you know, I'm the giant killer or whatever. I don't know what the mindset is. Uh, and then I realized that I have to get rid of every extreme. I can't listen 100% to the people that love me, and I can't listen 100% to the people that hate me, and I can't really get anywhere without having a better core sample of what the data is, right? Um, right, right. I had a guy one time tell me, and again, I didn't come up with this. He came up with it, but it was true for a long time, and maybe even still to a certain extent, but he called me the Dana White of kayak fishing. <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, yeah, dude, you don't give a shit what somebody says. You'll speak. And I used to. To a certain extent, though, I don't do that as much as I used to. And at the same time, I do still have that mentality of like, I care about this sport and I can clearly see where it needs to go. And I know the things that I need to do to get it there because I've done it. Right. I love the guy or gal or group even that tells me how something needs to be done. And I'm like, but I've already been successful doing it the way that I'm doing it. And what you're telling me to do is 180 out from what I'm doing. Right. Where we are successful in our lives is we take away from the things that we're successful with and do more of that and take away from the things that we're not successful at and do less of that. You know, yeah. and so, you know, if I listen to popular vote we would never get anywhere in this sport because popular vote, the problem with it is, is just like the reason we don't have popular vote for, you know, electing officials is that you have the mob and the frenzy mentality. And once that momentum starts going, it goes. And if you feed it, it gets even worse. And so for me, I had to find a good balance. I had to surround myself with really good people that are the sounding boards for the ideas that are all vested or vetted take a more comprehensive look at decision-making and make decisions quicker. Because I'll tell you this, letting decisions linger, if you put out there the request for feedback, there's a balancing point where it tips to, it tips more towards toxic, right? Yeah. And I've started to learn that. And so like, I'll give you an example. Two weeks ago, I posted the debate or the question about multiple motors. Yeah. And I'll say that if I listened to the elite of kayak fishing, there'll be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We would have two motors on every kayak. Yeah. If I listened to the entry-level guy, there would be no motor on kayaks. If I listened to sponsors, there would be 20 motors on kayaks. Yeah. And if I listened to any of them alone, we would have 17 divisions. We have a male division, a female division, a youth division, a adult division, a master's division, a senior's division, a pro division, a motorized, non-motorized, and pedal division. We'd have like 17 divisions. I don't think it's fair that I should have. To. I had a guy, and I posted this on a post the other day. I had a guy the other day message me to tell me that he didn't think it was fair, that his kayak seat was so uncomfortable that he can only fish a couple hours at a time. <laughs> but it was unfair that these guys that spent three or $4,000 on their kayak had a much more comfortable seat. So therefore they were more comfortable. They could focus better. They could concentrate and they caught more fish. And I said, well, like if I start going down that road, bro, then I got to say, well, what about the guy that's got a crappy truck and the guy that's got a nice truck, that guy that drove the nice truck 10 hours to get to the tournaments in better shape when he gets there than the guy that's got the crappy truck. What about a guy that camps that sleeps on the hard ground versus a guy that sleeps in a comfy hotel? What about the guy that can afford to have a great, great breakfast and the guy that can't, you know what I mean? Like literally you open up that can of worms and it's, and then what it really boiled down to is I said, what, what is your suggestion? And you know what I finally, the light bulb came off in that post and that conversation with that person was he didn't actually have a suggestion. He didn't even have the thought process to dedicate to thinking about what was what was the solution that if you got the man to answer you, which he did, 
what 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 do you want to happen? He's like, uh, I don't know. I said, so basically you just wanted to bitch and yeah. you wanted me to hear you bitch and then move on. Cool. Sounds good. But I put way too much stock and time and effort and energy into that kind of stuff in the past. You know, these uh these people that grab their calculators and start doing the math on payouts real quick and then go, where's the other money? Well, first of all, you didn't calculate PayPal. You didn't calculate tourney X fees. You, you didn't, literally didn't calculate anything. So your entire argument is moot when, you know, and then people that were, we had the payouts up since the beginning of the year. And I've always said, it's going to be very close to what the payout formula is and model. It will be adjusted based on the size of the, size of the event. And it's, it's hilarious to me that the people that make these statements about things like the national championship, oh, I can't believe they waited. Well, we had a deadline for how many people were going to enter. We had, you know, withdrawals. We had entries. We had refunds. You don't really know what the snapshot of that event looks like until you get closer to the event. And I'm trying to do the best I can to stay as close to uh, 100% or more as I possibly can. And when we get tight like we have been with COVID, that stuff gets harder to do. So the person that makes that statement is showing a fundamental lack of understanding of how complicated and how hard some of this stuff is. But the part that's really alarming is how many people jump on behind them and go, yeah, it's BS, yeah. man. I can't believe it. It's like, dude, shut up. Like oh, we're mentality. doing the best. We have put out what the, the template is and we've put out that we're going to do this, this, and this. It's been put out since April. Actually, it's been put out since January. But nobody wants to go look for it. They want to spend the time complaining. And if they spend as much time actually going and looking as they did complaining, they spend half the amount of time actually getting the answers to the questions that they have instead of. But but I have learned that some of them don't even want a solution. They just want to create controversy so they can be the person in the middle stirring. Yeah. And I've removed myself from those conversations. Good. You're probably healthier for it. Oh, very. See that smile? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to take advantage of the conversation just for a little bit. Like something that's been on my mind lately. And then I'll have a, one more question for you, and then we'll wrap this thing up, Chad. But uh, so something that's not really bothered me, but it's uh, it's on my mind. Like I, t- I talk about it a few times on the podcast, and I feel it's only fair that I bring it to you since you're 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 like the uh, the person who finally uh, you know makes the rule or probably uh, go you know signs off on the rule. But uh, you know the definition of kayak, and it, it kind of goes along with what you said with the motors and stuff. And that's when I really started thinking about it, and I actually got the idea from uh, Josh Carter off of uh, Objective One podcast. Uh, but it's like. What are we going to define kayak bass or kayak fishing? Um, it, just just as simple as like what what the the vessel's supposed to be because at one point there was no if at one point it was just it was just pedal or a paddle then it was pedal now we got a motor now we're talking about two motors and then I, I'm watching the, the boat the boats get wider the boats get longer and all these things it's like maybe I'm, I'm thinking I was wrong because to me it's like it doesn't seem to be like a, a set standard it just keeps evolving which is fine. I don't mind. I mean, like we haven't evolved. We set a standard four years ago and haven't changed anything. I'm talking about about, about as the future goes. Like, like, I mean, like, for instance, like the motor. Now we're talking about two motors. Uh, It's like to the point. Like, we we talked about it. There's nothing we're talking about it. But I no 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 no. I said we're not doing. Well, I'm saying not just you. I'm talking about just anyone else in general. It's like I understand why people want to do certain things because we're all just trying to be as efficient as we possibly can at fishing. Yeah. So like, let's just say if I'm not, if I'm not in uh, the, the sport of kayak bass fishing, I'm just recreational fishing. I'm going to put everything I can on that goddamn kayak to make it the most lethal vessel I can possibly make it. I want to be able to have everything. If there's a, a gravitational propulsion kit to get me through space and time quicker, I want that shit. But I'm talking about as far as the, like a sport go, like have we, have we thought about like where you want to cut off? Like, cause, cause the thing is like, when we start getting to like those those really good those pros, we're talking about like Russ Snyder, Jody Queen, all these guys who are literally inches away apart as as, as you know as, as in the sport as far as like winning and losing. Um, any any inch they can get to make themselves more efficient in the water, they want. So they're always going to want that. Like, but it's someone like you who's going to, you know, who's taking responsibility of protecting the sport, building. Like, have you thought about like what's going to be the uh, like what's when is it enough? Like, how far are we going to take these kayaks? Well. It's kind of hard to answer that question without asking me, without asking you, Josh, do you think we've not put that time and effort into it? Because honestly, we the ones that we we have been the one that set the standard. Nobody else has deviated from what we've done as far as a community. Bass hasn't done it. Hobie hasn't done it. Hobie restricted 
motors. And I get that. That's great. And to be yeah. honest with you, I love the fact that Hobie doesn't allow a motor because it gives an option for the I don't want a motor crowd because right. I don't believe in two divisions in the same tournament in, in any way, shape, form or fact. I don't believe in male, female, youth, old, young, poor. I, I don't believe in rich, poor. I don't believe in any of that. But here's a perspective that I don't think anybody ever thinks about. So I'm going to finally throw it out there. When you throw out the names like Jody Queen and Josh Stewart and Russ Snyders and Corey Dreyer and Ron Champion and all these guys that everybody knows, I'm going to throw this out there for folks to ponder. The ability to use a motor doesn't open the gap up for guys like that. It closes the gap for guys that aren't as good as them. So whereas a guy that's already going to kick your ass because they're a better <laughs> angler, if he's got a motor, yeah, he's going to get 15, 20% better, but you can get 50, 75% better by having the ability to cover more water, accelerate your learning curve, get to places you can't get to. So I'll make the argument that for one, I feel strongly about allowing motors for the same reason that I've said from the very beginning, and it ain't money. Okay. In fact, the pendulum has swung to the point where everything that I said is coming true. Now I'm getting pressure from the motor companies to do stuff I'm not willing to do, like allow two motors. Do you think that Dakota Lithium doesn't want two motors so that that sells more batteries? Do you think Torquedo don't want to allow two motors so they don't have to choose between a motor guide and a Torquedo? Do you think motor guide doesn't want there to be two motors so that somebody doesn't have to choose between a bow mount and a stern mount? Absolutely, they do. So to answer your question, yes, I've thought about it. And I think that we're finally at a point where our actions are demonstrating we will be the one to draw the line. We've drawn the line at two motors. We've drawn the line at some craft that aren't acceptable. We've drawn the line, but we were the first ones to establish width and length standards. We were the first ones to establish propulsion standards. Everybody else just kind of went with it. Three horsepower is a pretty high level. Uh, if Torquedo made a five horsepower motor, would I be changing it? No. You know why? Because I'm not owned by anybody, which is the beautiful thing about the position I'm in. I'm convicted, I believe in what I believe in. I broke my hand three weeks ago, a month ago, no, shoot, six weeks ago, and I couldn't paddle, but I could get out on a motor. I actually just benefited for the first time from the actual reasons that I've used to say, you never know what life-changing event's going to happen. You never know what thing is going to change. You never know what thing is going to make you need something that you currently don't need. So all these guys out there and gals out there that are like, I think that motors on kayaks are an abomination. It's not a kayak anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. But when you roll your truck like I did and almost die, when you break your hand, when you have all these things that happen and you say to yourself, man, where would I be if I was the person that made this big stake in the moon and said, we're not doing it, I'm not allowing it, and then I couldn't use my leg anymore, I couldn't use my hand anymore, or heaven forbid, have a stroke where you can't use either one, or you're a military guy, that loses the benefit of using a limb. Are you now done in this sport forever because a bunch of idealists said that's not a real kayak? Well, guess what? A sit-on-top kayak is not a real kayak. I've never seen an Eskimo or an Inuit or whatever the proper term is pedaling anything, not even a bicycle. So the whole argument about what's the definition of a kayak, they say that those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. And a lot of people haven't been around this sport long enough to know. I remember when sit-on-top kayaks were criticized as not being, that's not a real kayak. If you don't sit in it, it's not a kayak. And then that got a little bit of acceptance. Then pedals came along. Oh my God, that's an abomination. If you don't paddle, you're not a kayaker. But then human power became acceptable, right? Human power. That narrative was defined by the people who it benefited. I'm going to call this human power. That for, it's a mechanical advantage, even if it's human powered. You know what I'm saying? Right. That all being said, I think the definition of it is what the community will tolerate, not what we decide. Okay. I hear this all the time. I could just take a John boat and put a trolling motor on it. Then go out there and put yourself at a disadvantage and get blown around by the wind and make so much noise and have to have a, a trailer if you not just need to, but have to, or throw it in the back of your truck and knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. But just because you put a motor on it doesn't not make it a kayak anymore. Right. I use my motor probably 20% of the time. About 80% of the time, I don't. 
when I get where I'm going, 90% of the time that I do use it, I actually pull it up and lock it in place. You probably see more pictures of me with the motor up than you do down because I use it to get where I'm going. And then I'm, guess what? I'm kayak fishing. I'm not kayak fishing. I'm kayak fishing. I'm not kayak fishing. You know what I'm saying? If I raise the motor up, am I not kayak fishing now? It's just all of those arguments are silly. They're semantics. And look, if you don't like it, don't do it. Yeah, that's my ultimate opinion. But, but I if, guess what I'm really like, like I mean, it, don't do it. Right. If you don't think that the payout is good enough for you, what you put in, regardless of what the holdback is, don't enter. Yeah. <laughs> if it costs you too much to fish for your chance to win, stay home. I don't want you to go broke and get a divorce trying to win a thousand dollars. A lot of times kayak fishermen are just like those people that use the pickup crane for the stuffed animals at the beginning of the, you know, go spend a thousand dollars to win 500. And I probably shouldn't say that. I'm the guy that runs a tournament series, but I don't think we only fish for the payout. We fish for the camaraderie. We fish for the challenge ourselves against ourselves as much as against other anglers. We challenge ourselves for that level of recognition, that credibility, that validation, all of those things. And you can't put your finger on specifically what one person does. But what I can tell you is this competition breeds innovation, innovation breeds competition. All of that stuff drives prices down, not up. I hear this all the time, and it, it actually makes me laugh. It's getting to the point where you can't even afford to kayak fish anymore. That's the biggest crock of shit that I ever hear, and I'll tell you why. I started kayak fishing 24 years ago, two weeks from now. 24 years ago, two weeks from now. And there are more kayaks under $1,000 now than when I started kayak fishing. That's because of competition. That's because of innovation. Because there's a $5,000 Hobie 360, because there's a $1,600 Bonafide, because there's a $2,300 Torquedo, there are now more kayaks under $1,000 than there were when I started. There's more kayaks under $1,200 than there were when I started. And there's multiple offerings in the $300 range, $500 range, $700 range, $800 range, $900 range, $1,000, $1,200, $1,400, $1,600, $1,800, $2,000, $2,200, $2,400, all the way up. So that argument is total crap for the people who make it. So here's the thing I'll challenge you to do if you're listening to this and you think what I just said is crap. Just Google fishing kayaks and hit the shopping tab on Google and see how many options there are. And then click on one and go down that rabbit hole and see how many more there are. If you take 15 minutes, you'll find 37 brands of kayaks out there that offer fishing kayaks now. When I started, there were two. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah, so yeah. the accessories that are available are, are cost effective. Way more cost effective than they were when I started. You had to build everything yourself. The Torquedo motor is the same price for the base kayak model today as it was when I started using it. Same price. Now, they've increased a stronger battery. They've gone to the 1103 and made a bigger motor, and those have gone up in price. But the base Torquedo with the battery is the same price it was 10, 11 years ago when I when I got my first one. So competition not only breeds innovation and breeds uh, uh, com that competition breeds more competition, but it also keeps prices down and it creates tiers in the system. So to answer your question, we are going to stick at the standard that we have now, and you're going to be hard-pressed to move me off of. In other words, I tried to be a visionary a little bit when I established the standards and said, we got one horsepower motors now. Let's allow for three, and let's cap it there. What's the most powerful trolling motor on the market right now? It was a Mencota Riptide, and it was 155. I'm like, all right, let's draw the line there. What's the widest kayak on the market right now Let's just, that's a commonly accepted by the community? Let's establish that parameter there. And then what's the what's the uh, uh, length that we should look at? And we establish that parameter there. We have made very few exceptions on a case-by-case -case basis. And generally the standard is, is it commonly accepted by the paddle sports community as a craft that, that meets the criteria? And that's kind of where we are now. Uh, and that's where we intend to stay. Fair enough. I like it. Um, last question, I'll let you go. Uh, the schedules, the unofficial schedules up, uh, we kind of see how, uh, I know you're still working on the angle of the year and all those kind of things. Um, but ne so next year, like it's still, everything's still up in the air. Like I didn't realize, cause you know, I got excited when I saw the schedule, like, 
all right, I want to do Alabama and I want to do Virginia. And then I realized that New York still has these weird restrictions of quarantine and all these other things that I got to put up with. Um, what do you guys think? What are you thinking about next year? And like, what are you guys trying to do to really, um, you know, whatever, I guess, I guess deal with like the, the ongoing, uh, never changing, you know, COVID-19 era. Well, for one, we're sticking with the same formula that we came up with this year, which is to double the tournaments. So there'll be a Saturday and a Sunday tournament at every location. That gives you the opportunity to get two events in one location done. And then if you fish one more location, not only do you get your third event for Angler of the Year, you also get one mulligan or one event to replace another one. So you can travel twice and be eligible for Angler of the Year. That's never been the way it was. We, in the past, had as many as four and then as many as three, but it was individual locations. So now we have addressed COVID to the best of our possible ability. I actually have made the decision on Angler of the Year. It's your best three events, okay. uh, and the the uh, the Trail Series Championship's not going to be double points. It's going to be points and a half. So that ca- that takes some of the volatility out. Uh, but basically, it's your best three events. You can get two at each location. Because of the travel distances for the West Coast, I made an exception out there, and we're going to do three events in one weekend. We're going to do a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so that those folks that are so far over there um, that can't really travel to that many more events have a chance at saying, oh, man. With those three events, I got a high enough average finish that if I go to the Trail Series Championship, I've got a real shot at making it into the 10. And to me, the 10 is the most elite event in kayak fishing. I'm biased, but I'm going to double down on making that an even more elite event. I'm going to double down on investing in that. I'm going to double down in promoting it better, uh, promoting the anglers that qualify for it better. Uh, And I'm not worried about trying to create different things anymore. I'm just going to do what we've done better, make the Challenge Series more rewarding, getting rid of the damn private water, getting rid of the ability to um, some of the things that you've done in the past that made it toward the same person won over and over and over and over again. Uh, Establishing a more consistent standard to where it's like you fish in the challenges just like you fish in the trails. So you're you're practicing and you're preparing for it. Uh, Thinking outside the box in some of the series that we're done. I'll give you an example. One of the things that I'm working on right now is we've always done the one night stand and you had to pick a night on a particular weekend, but you picked either Friday or Saturday. Well, now we're trying to think outside the box and say, well, shoot, why don't we do the one night stand and you could do any day of the month, but you got to pick one because then you can do your trail series fishing. I mean, your challenge series fishing, your trail series fishing and your other fishing all in the same location. So it compounds the benefit of fishing in any of the events that you've got the ability to do all of the events, right? So we're trying to think outside the box to take into consideration all the constraints that are out there and make it advantageous to the anglers to support KBF by minimizing what they have to do to do it, consolidating their efforts to where the return on investment is spread across a bigger gene pool and the opportunities are bigger. Uh, we're working on state angler of the year. I got to figure that out. But regions just didn't work. It was never going to be Ohio was never going to be happy with whichever region they got put in. Right. Kentucky, Southern Kentucky people believe they're in the southeast. Northern Kentucky people think they're in the Great Lakes. Uh, Indiana doesn't know where it belongs. West Virginia doesn't know where it belongs. You know what I'm saying? Like right. there's so many states that like most of the West gets lumped in with California and like we can't compete with California. You know, like. It's all of those. And we've tried things like making California its own region, Texas its own region, Florida. It just is impossible. So the only way to truly make it work is to say, yeah, I know some parts of some states are better than the others. But at least if we scale it down to a state level, we can build on that and grow it from there. But, man, I got to be honest with you. I'm really excited to see how the uh, All-American Kayak Classic turns out with Josh Booth and those guys because I believe in that concept. Uh, I'm really excited to see the state. Uh, deals. And I honestly think the future uh, of kayak fishing is the concept like what Grubby's doing, you know, the grassroots bass jackers. I think that concept, if it can get hold and it can get traction, is the foundation that's even one tier. And I hate to say it this way, but it's a it's a feeder to KBF and KBF is a feeder to all things pro or all things middle or all things central or, you know what I mean? I want to have something at every level for the folks that that join KBF. Uh, but I do think that there's a real opportunity with what the guys with grassroots bash jackers are doing with what all of our partner groups are doing. Uh, and, and I'm going to really work hard to focus on 
finding sponsorships and finding funding and things like that for these partner organizations to increase the benefit of being affiliated with KBF. And that's what we've been doing the last 18 months. We've been successful where we're successful, but we don't want to rest on our laurels and say that we help five clubs. We want to help 50 or a hundred or, you know what I'm saying? So that, I know that's around my elbow to get to my butt answer, but that's the answer. That's a good enough answer for me. Chad, I really appreciate you coming on. I hope I gave you a chance to explain and get some shit off your chest. Um, but uh, I really do appreciate really do appreciate you coming on. Um, thanks for all you do, man. I know like someone's got someone's got to be up there and, and take the heat, and you do what you do it. Man. So I appreciate that, and uh, you know, good luck, and I uh, hope I talk to you sometime next year. Sounds good, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. All right, later, all right, man.